Hi, I'm Shlomi from the Visual Storytelling Institute, uh, and we're recording this uh, show from uh, sunny Miami, Florida. And the topic for today is a very special. Typically, I bring uh, experts uh, from different uh, disciplines of visual storytelling, uh, from video, images, infographics, uh, virtual reality, and whatnot. But today, I want to do something different. And share with you uh, the journey from the client perspective. So today I have a very special guest that uh, had the, the great honor to work with and collaborate with. Uh, and his story is something that uh, really uh, moved us uh, in a big way. And he's gonna share his journey and as part of uh, his process, uh, what he went through and working with us and uh, as part of building his uh, business. And, and this way you can get uh, kind of a double benefit today, both the understanding of uh, how visual storytelling is uh, actually implemented in practice and, and also get a real uh, testimonial from a, a business that uh, is making its first steps, uh, making a a community change, uh, those businesses we called uh, social impact uh, pioneers. Uh, and just a little bit of background uh, about this. Uh, I met uh, Steve Dutton uh, as a, I was uh, running a visual storytelling masterclass at the Idea Center at Miami-Dade College. He was one of the participants. And typically we kind of break uh, the group into teams. Every team works on a different product. And at the end, we ask participants to share uh, their output. So Steve's team picked uh, to focus on his story, on his movement. And the story that you're gonna hear today is gonna blow you away because <laughs> we were bl blown away completely when we heard it uh, the first time. And that's what uh, really uh, started our uh, collaboration uh, uh, today. So with that, I would like to welcome Steve Dutton to the Visual Storytelling uh, Today uh, show. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Shlomi. Excellent. I'm pleased to be on. Wonderful. And just to get uh, our audience uh, up to speed, could, could you share a little bit about your backstory and, you know, how you arrived to start your business, just so people can uh, understand your, uh, what was your kind of uh, inciting incident, <laughs> so to speak, that uh, drove sure. you to action? Yes, yes I will. Shlomi, I moved to Miami from Texas, from Dallas-Fort Worth in 2013. I was retired, uh, married, my same-sex partner and husband, and I retired the same day and following a cruise around the world for four months, we moved into our new home here in downtown Miami. Really excited. The next three years were spent mostly traveling. I'd say seven or eight months of the year, we were on a cruise ship somewhere in the world, whether it was Antarctica or Asia or wherever, enjoying our retirement. Well, one morning, because when we were home, each having dogs, we would take our dogs for a walk. And it ended up where we were having coffee in front of a restaurant in downtown Miami. Imagine this, eight o'clock in the morning, 
we're sipping coffee and we see this man across the street clearly in distress, screaming in obscenities at everyone who's walking by as he was aggressively panhandling for money. And after a few minutes, Tom and I agreed we needed to do something. We needed to report this because he clearly was in distress. We wanted to help if nothing else, but we wanted to provide a safer situation uh, and, and not a worsening situation in downtown. Yeah. So I took a photograph, tried to be discreet with my cell phone. And right. If you've ever done that, you know how hard it is, especially with palm trees as you're <laughs> landscaping in downtown <laughs> Miami. It's kind of hard to hide as I took the photograph. He saw me and he came across the street to attack us. And uh, he picked the smaller of the two of us, my husband, and he shoved him as he ran into him. Oh, wow. And Tom was yelling, leave us alone. And, and, and the man shoved him. Tom hit the ground backwards. He couldn't stop his fall. It led to his death two days later. That's I was incredible. so unprepared for this. Who, who would be? Yeah. And after coming out of grief and anger, frankly, at the city, why, why, why was the circumstance such that this could have happened? It led to several months of looking at what was being done to provide services for the homeless, the unsheltered on the streets. And within the next year, frankly, I was volunteering at the Homeless Trust, which is our major entity that funds services sure. for the homeless. I'd gotten to know people at the city, at the county and whatever. And among the gaps that I saw that were leading to a worsening situation with more and more people being unsheltered and remaining on the street was the fact that our outreach, the, the technology they were using was an old technology. It was a hotline card asking people, in this case, persons on the street, to call a number. Well, the reality of that today is, is that it's not an effective way to begin outreach. And so with technology advancing as quickly as it has, I conceived of a better way. And so it led to my creating an organization called Avenue 3 Miami. And there are three specific goals of this organization. One is to take the two block street that is right outside our home, which is where in fact the attack happened at the corner of that two block street and a major street that we had been on that morning having coffee and transform that, make it a more pedestrian friendly, uh, a much more of a destination street. So this is what you call like a streetscaping, right? Approach. Streetscape is a more technical term that I've learned to yeah. kind of mirror landscape, right? If you, if you take any street, that has street parking and whatever, envision that street without the cars parked there. You immediately see the opportunity of creating right. a better sidewalk appearance, creating tables and chairs, seating areas for pedestrians. It's a two block street, it's one way. It's, it can't be closed because it is used early in the morning for delivery, for garbage pickup, for that type of thing. Yep. So let's share it, but let's emphasize the use by pedestrians to create a greater destination feel it's almost like Geralda Street, right, in Coral Gables? In Coral Gables, we have Geralda Plaza, which has done an immediate, amazing transformation. And Coral, yeah. in, in Miami Beach, there's Española Way, which was a similar street of four yeah. blocks that they yeah. transformed. The problem in both of those instances was they took 
two years to construct them. The right. business has lost lots of money. So we're finding ways to do this organically, mm-hmm. easily, without closing the street. Got it. But the number one, the number one concern people express in businesses there, there are too many people on the street unserved. And so Avenue 3 created a second and a third objective. The second is to find a better way to modernize the outreach mm-hmm. to make certain that people that are on the streets are being responded to promptly and hopefully with service offers that would be more attractive to them than to just remain on the street, even though our weather is so beautiful here in Miami. Right. The third objective is to recognize that among persons who are on the streets, living on the streets are criminals, people that for whatever reason, their criminal lives mental illness, drug addiction, whatever it may be, they've decided to use living on the streets as an easy means of creating an opportunity for them, but that harms the general population. So by copying something that American cities have done for years, neighborhoods have done for years, creating a neighborhood watch, we can actually better protect the community and help the police. So this is basically community, community involved in... Correct. Right. When you think about downtown urban situations, they're not like it is in the suburbs where you have homes next to each other. We live on top of each other in high-rise buildings. With right. 50, 60, 70 stories, hundreds of units, thousands of people. Absolutely. So we've got to find better ways to create that community feeling and that adoption by volunteers to be involved in a neighborhood watch. So those three somewhat disparate goals actually are all part of the same goal. And that is to create a safer and healthier neighborhood for persons who live in downtown communities. This this can be a model for cities across the country. We we believe strongly that Miami can lead the way, can, can set as an example, a new strategy. Our numbers aren't horrible, we don't have thousands of people, as they do in many cities across the USA, living on the streets, but we do have upwards of a thousand people in our city that need to be better served. So Steve, can you tell us a little bit about exactly, you know, how the collaboration with VSI, the Visual Storytelling Institute, started? I was intrigued when I learned of VSI by email one day. I think it was something that your company had sent out as an advertisement to this opportunity at the Idea Center to learn about a program you were launching at the college. So I went that day, I arrived late, I was pleased that you graciously allowed me to join in and I sat down at a table with five or six relatively young college age students who were learning about the process of visual storytelling. Because of my background, my, my life's experience or whatever, I was quickly able to see the opportunity that visual storytelling presented these students, and I was able to quickly catch up. Well, as I did, you called out the objective, and that was for each table to decide upon a story. Being the shameless person that I can sometimes be, I, I volunteered my story as, as a way to get these young people thinking and and they all got excited when they heard the background of my story about the impact that we might make together in homelessness. And so that's what started it. Well, as you remarked at the outset of this blog, 
you were impressed with how excited our table became trying to answer the problem of my story. Oh, yeah, it completely changed the atmosphere, I can tell you Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And so afterwards, we, we, we talked. Ironically, about a month before, I had been granted some funding from the Downtown Development Authority, who likewise believed in my story. And among the objectives of that funding was to find a way to create a visual or a video that would describe it. And so we were, uh, unbeknownst to us prior to that date, married in heaven by the fact that I now had funding and you had a, an ability. And so we made a deal. That's that awesome. My becoming a proud customer of Vir Visual Storytelling Institute. Awesome. So just to kind of give uh, our audience uh, up to speed a little bit about uh, uh, the process. So obviously, you might know that we've developed a homegrown uh, visual storytelling framework. Uh, it's called My Visual Story. It has uh, three phases. And we actually work with Steve uh, along the steps of this uh, framework. So maybe you can give us a, a sense of your experience. You know, if you recall, we started with the, the first phase, the story making. Yeah. I, I recall, and again, having sat with these students to learn the process a little bit at that first night we met, I understood it almost immediately because I recognized that in any story that you want to tell, there has to be you know, there's several things at play, a beginning, a middle, and end. You, you want to be certain that your story ends with a call to action or, or a result that you really are after. Yep. But in terms of framing or envisioning how to tell the story, it's important that you recognize the audience that will be eventually looking at the video and listening to the story. Yep. That we all have different needs. We all have different objectives. And so Absolutely. you called upon us to develop a strategy for each persona. And persona is such a universal term. It's, it, it can refer to individuals. It can refer to people in different lines of work. Yep. People with different backgrounds and, and different purposes. And in your case, right. you had at least three segments, three personas, right? Absolutely. You've, you've got people who own property downtown. Yeah, you've got leaders of city government that would be impacted by any strategy to change the outreach yep. of homeless and to change the character of a streetscape. And you've got the people who live or work in that vicinity. So you want to think in terms of how do you tell your story to meet the objectives of these disparate in some respects for right. same, but yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. And what we keep saying and some of the message we shared with Steve is basically that he needs to treat his business story almost like a mirror. And a mirror, one of his greatest qualities is the ability to reflect the, the image of the person that looks at it. So in this case, Steve had three personas looking at his, in his mirror and our objective with Steve was to be able to authentically uh, reflect back uh, what they are trying to achieve so they, they could see benefits in helping and supporting uh, Avenue 3 Miami. Because at the end of the day, really what's important here is that a great business story is basically almost like a, a total eclipse between what 
the business ones, in this case, Avenue 3 Miami, and he still talked about the three objectives and what his uh, buyer persona want, that overlap between the city councils, the homeowners, and uh, the community professionals, and what Steve want with his three objective needs to be overlap. So what Steve wants and what his target audience wants is actually uh, coming together. So only then your audience were able to basically see themselves mirrored in your story. And, and our hope was that basically once they expose your story, they can say, hey, this is my pain you're talking about. This is my issues that I'm struggling with and I don't have any uh, you know, real life solutions that I could actually use. And here come along Steve with Avenue 3, and all of a sudden he almost read my mind. So we want to reach that level of, you know, magic, magical telepathy almost, <laughs> that, sure. that he can anticipate their problem and will solve them through his uh, uh, program. So, Absolutely. so the story making was really, was a process that we work with Steve to figure out uh, Again, his buyer personas, uh, what does it mean to them to solve the problem? Because obviously you, you always want to paint a very positive picture uh, after using a, a service or product. Uh, so the life after was important. We also, uh, if you remember, we worked with you on uh, characterizing uh, your, your brand voice or brand uh, equality. Yes. Uh, and we worked on different archetypes to zero in on the right one uh, that makes sense to you. Uh, and tell us a little bit, maybe uh, once uh, you've, you've nailed down the, the business narrative, uh, how the story visualizing, that's our next phase in our framework work for you. It was a real pleasure to work with Ville, the filmmaker actually, mm -hmm. and uh, Daniela, I believe. Daniela, yeah. Say, say it again. Daniela. Yeah, da and to work with Daniela, who was amazing. Mm -hmm. they, they came to my place of business and in one take, we were able to film the footage, the, the B-roll, if you will, that was used in crafting the ultimate video. And I'm pleased, I I'm pleased with how it turned out. It was simple for me because Daniela had, had questions to ask me as you're doing now, and I was able to answer them truthfully, and I was able to answer them with, with the emotion that I felt by the subject of those questions. And it was captured on the film. Uh, Ville is amazing. He was able to piece together an edit and create a visual storytelling of the birth and the activation and hopefully the success that will come from Avenue 3 Miami. No, absolutely. And what I really liked is the, well, the fact that you're eloquent, we all know that, but you know, you were able to really convey a lot of emotions uh, while you were telling the story. And I think uh, that's something that, uh, you know, forget about the mission, about uh, what you're trying to do. Most of the important elements in visual storytelling is being able to connect 
heart to heart, you know, through emotions. And I think uh, that story and at least the fact that you are the protagonist and you were able to convey those, uh, you know, strong emotions, as you said, from despair, you know, the lowest point in your life and how you were able to turn it around and make it to something bigger and larger for the benefit of the community. That, that's incredible. I think uh, that transformation that you shared in that uh, video is incredible. And I think it really shows. Thank you. We were able to premiere the video at a major luxury theater in downtown just a few weeks ago as part of a film festival that was ongoing. Yep. They saw a trailer that was also made from the footage and were inspired enough to say to me that they wanted to include it as one of the new films that they were premiering as part of their film festival. And while the audience was relatively small, I'd say 40, 50 people, yep. uh, it was a standing ovation. I, I think the impact that that short film showed uh, gave me all, all the hope that I need to know that I'm heading in the right direction. And we're now about to launch probably maybe as early as tomorrow online, uh, both the short and the long version of the film as a way to communicate with our neighborhood, people who do live or work or visit Miami. Yeah. The opportunity there is to join our movement, to join Avenue 3 Miami and accomplishing its three goals. And so I'm quite excited. And something that also happened that I didn't expect uh -huh. was the first goal being that physical change to the street I always knew would attract the most attention. The second and third objectives though, I was quietly working behind the scenes on launching and they haven't, many of the people that are already so interested and haven't seen the film yet, I think it's going to, really magnify the importance of meeting those two objectives. And I'm happy to say all three objectives are proceeding full steam ahead oh, that's very, uh, very quickly. And so it, it's pretty amazing what comes out of, again, not only telling a story, but understanding the importance of all the different personas, understanding why it is that you want to take time to anticipate the reaction of those personas because whether it's just in the film or whether it's in your own personal advancement of the mission it's important and so having that training has helped me beyond uh, what i ever expected yeah and i think what i mostly like about your story is that uh, it's the fact that it's really capturing the sense that your story could could have happened to anybody. Absolutely. It's just something that people don't take into account. You know, people every day pass the street, they pass by those homeless people, and it just happened so tragically, it happened to you. But I think that the the big moral or the big message of your story is that. A, it could happen to anybody, and two, you can do something about it. Yes. You have the power. So most people think, you know, when they come in across challenges uh, that has to do with City Hall and other, uh, you know, city officials, that it's kind of going to be a mess. Uh, a lot of uh, bureaucracy is going to take uh, a lot of red tape. 
and whatnot. But I think you are the, the walking proof that, yes, it's hard, but you can really make a difference. And you have to be patient. Yep. You have to, I recall a Ben Franklin statement, when you're driven by passion, let reason hold the reins. And it's so important that you recognize that, yes, reasons and strategic steps have to be taken. The time frame is not ours. The time frame is the circumstance that you're right. confronted with. And so it takes time. Right. And just a few words about the third phase of our framework, the storytelling. You briefly mentioned that tomorrow, you know, the actual promotion is going to start. So for the folks listening or watching, the storytelling phase, it's our third phase in our framework. And it's all about, we call it where the rubber meets the road. Once you created your business narrative, you have a, a fantastic, engaging a, a visual story in the form of a video or image, infographic, whatever a visual format you decide. Now it's time to communicate those visual stories across channels and stages of the buyer's journey. So maybe you can say a few words about uh, that process. Absolutely. Avenue 3 Miami is blessed that we've, we've engaged and met with so many wonderful people in Miami and among them, the founder and CEO of Unlimited Marketing, mm -hmm. who has volunteered to help us develop an online presence, mm -hmm. continued uh, social media uh, ability using Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Right. And... This has enabled us, the partners of Unlimited Marketing working together with VSI, Visual Storytelling Institute, have helped craft the launch of the promotion. Not only of the, these video, the video, the long and short version of the video, but also the story itself and, and, and the three goals of our organization. And so I'm really pleased, again, it, it starts with structure, it starts with a plan, it starts as we all know, and how difficult that is to, to sometimes accomplish. But with the workbook approach that your company has shared with me, with the willingness and the flexibility of our various partners to recognize the value of that training, uh, I'm really pleased. It's all in the proof. The proof is the pudding. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's the result. And that's only starting but it's already so remarkable that uh, I've got great confidence in the ultimate success of our organizations. No, absolutely. Thank you. And, and along the way, I know that uh, you already launched a few successful visual storytelling initiatives on your own. So maybe you yeah. can tell us a little bit about your uh, street fair experience. We had an amazing event this past fall called Taste of Avenue 3. It was a a pretty simple idea. We had 12 restaurants on this two block street. Why not join them in an effort to demonstrate the diverse cuisine that's available on our street? Restaurants, mom and pop shops, all of them, right. representing places from all over the world. And so with the help of volunteers and an organization called Street Plans, who is an urban design company, uh, we were able to put together in a four-day activation a tremendous event. It started with getting agreement from the city under permit to mm -hmm. remove the parking 
of cars on that two block street so that we truly had a big palette to work with. Nice. We, we picked the design and the colors and we actually painted the parking lanes on both sides of the street for the ultimate event. Over those four days of activation, we had 50 volunteers actually in the street, roller painting in beautiful colors and it turned out beautiful. We secured the use of about, I think it was 25 picnic tables. We lined them up end to end. We, with, with somebody with a real creative eye, were able to dress them up and with table flowers and presentation, it looked like an amazing, uh, beautiful long table. We were able to add some temporary lighting in. We booked entertainment. So we had music of the night of the event. We had uh, uh, programming. We had an MC. It was a lot of fun. On October 20, last fall, we attracted almost 700 people That's who incredible. live and work and visit downtown to join us in an event that uh, was a small cost. I think I used Eventbrite. I think the tickets were if they were bought ahead of time, they were only 10 bucks. And the night of the event, we charged $15 in cash to participate, to get a taste from all these different restaurants. Right. The entertainment, the dancing, with, with all the fun we had, it was amazing. And we will continue to do programming uh, on Avenue 3 as we're organically activating physical changes, which will change the nature of the street, hopefully for a long time. But... It's, no, I think I think who's done this kind of work knows it's a lot of work and volunteers and whatever. But again, having the ability to coordinate this while all the while creating our story in a visual sense, uh, it, it's been a great experience. No, I think you, you did a fantastic uh, job there because this is really the ultimate uh, approach in visual storytelling where you know you basically bring your target audience in this case is the community members and make them the protagonists of your story so they're not just bystanders they actually you know have a role in in bringing to life your vision mm -hmm. of how the end goal gonna look like once it's all said and done but Absolutely. to do it for a nice um you know interesting event that uh, keeps them talking about your mission and seeing for themselves, you know, firsthand what it could be. And then it's much easier to get people, you know, support you on other initiatives from volunteer and whatnot. Absolutely. We've now set up four standing committees. One is design, mm -hmm. one is marketing, one is stakeholder outreach. Again, identifying those personas and making certain that all of our efforts gear towards their agendas. And the fourth is events. And so I, th I think the community is going to get excited as continued events occur and as the vision becomes clearer of what we want to accomplish. Uh, one day we'll look back. And, but it all started with telling our story in a very visual sense. Absolutely. It's been great. One thing I really also liked about your initiative is that, uh, you know, most uh, organizations that uh, try to solve the homelessness problem tend to kind of uh, treat homeless people uh, kind of a one-size-fits-all. And a group of people. As, yeah. as though there's a demographic called homeless. Yeah, they don't take into account there are different... Uh, categories of homeless person if you put them on a 
on a continuum of uh, how uh, severe the situation is. Mm -hmm. So I think your approach, which is a very adaptive approach that basically look at the person uh, and customize a solution based on their immediate needs individually individually as opposed to kind of a okay let let me feed you let me give you money and it's a one-way street so maybe you can talk a little bit about your unique approach uh, specifically you know the that uh, the loyalty model that you try to adopt here you know as, as all cities struggle with the numbers the worsening numbers of unsheltered persons we can't forget that they're human beings first they all have an individual story yeah. So it's important to reconnect to each individual story. At the same time, what motivates people to make changes in their lives? What motivates you mm -hmm. and I to, to, yeah. to do something that is positive? Well, I recalled that, you know, I, I was chasing points to get the free drinks at Starbucks. So I was <laughs> chasing, you know, I was traveling sometimes on business when I was still working out of the way merely to gain a greater number of miles on the loyalty program I had with whichever airline I was flying right, or hotels and whatever. And so the mere concept of an exchange of rewards came to me one morning that why aren't we creating that type of loyalty aspect with regard to persons living on the street? They're all in need certainly of something and they typically are asking for cash or clothing or, or whatever. But the reality is, is that's not really changing anything for them. It's only encouraging them and enabling them to stay on the street. And so it dawned on me that through a modern outreach program, if we could couple it with an exchange of reward that could be set up not unlike what corporate America has proven successful, something that as changes in behavior occur, points are awarded. And That's so it's so mushroomed now into something amazing. It's, it's quickly been adopted and it's quickly going to result in an ability for persons on the street to take charge of their lives again by changing behavior in small ways, accumulate points that can be exchanged for rewards, might be transportation, yeah. might be uh, the ability to go to stores and buy the clothes they'd like to buy as opposed to just going to the shelter and getting a hand-me-down right it might be picking the meal that they want to have many of them know that the importance of healthy food versus potato chips which is yep. oftentimes the only result that they they can afford absolutely and so coupling it with that type of reward and and also making it a community-wide response through yep. outreach grid which is the application we're we're intending to use in our pilot program we're quite excited that's awesome. That's fantastic. No, I think this is a very smart move and it's kind of uh, redefine uh, the relationship uh, between uh, officials and uh, social workers and uh, the homeless person. So this is, this is fantastic. So just to close, you know, do you have any kind of a, your best three tips for other people watching and listening to this show now that uh, are about to start their own nonprofit organization and mm -hmm. what would you, based on your experience? I, I do. Those three steps. Number one certainly is to never lose the passion that you have that has caused you to want to be involved in something that is yep. going to create change. 
uh-huh. positive change. Don't lose that passion. You're going to rely upon that on the roller coaster of life as things unfold. Number two, don't under or discount the fact that using a workbook approach like Visual Storytelling Institute promotes as a way to ensure that the telling of your story, the impact that will result from your story is maximized. And and number three, as I said before, Ben Franklin said it well, when passion is your driver, reason must hold the reins, let reason be the reins that you hold on to. You've you've got to uh, always focus on the reasons for every step you take in advancing your cause and and be patient. Be patient. The time is not, you're not in control of how quickly things will be be able to result. But if you're persistent, you will change the situation you're trying to and it will advance uh, a more positive world. That's awesome. Couldn't you know, close with the more optimistic words. So I'd like to thank you so much for your time today. It's been an amazing journey and I'm sure we're going to collaborate in in the future. And for the folks that would like to learn more uh, about you or if they have any questions, how can they contact you? Real simple. If you merely Google or use your browser to go to avenue3miami.org, O-R-G, You'll be led to our website, a beautiful site developed by Unlimited Marketing, and you will be linked thereby to the films that Visual Storytelling Institute helped create, and you can sign up if you'd like to be involved. It's all about making this a community-led effort. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today, and I hope to see everybody next time. Thank you, everybody. Visual Storytelling Today is recorded in Miami, Florida. The show is published exclusively by Visual Storytelling Institute. Learn more at visualstorytell.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes Store. Until next time, don't let your big story wait to be told.